Dillon, up ahead, Winston. No one near him. And he's going to come out with it. And Michigan State is headed to the plus. Hello, everybody. You are listening to a somewhat disappointing episode of Spartan Crazies after Michigan State goes and beats Davidson on Friday and loses to Duke on Sunday. So today we actually have a special guest in 24-7 sports, Justin Thin. So he's going to come on and we're going to kind of just, you know, talk about whatever because that's what we do here. So uh, Tim, if you want to go ahead and take it away, my friend, go ahead. All right. Um, welcome back, everybody. And um, also welcome to Justin, who's here with us. He's going to give us some takes uh, that Ryan and I otherwise couldn't. And uh, we're even going to talk a little football there at the end, because I'm sure people, um, you know, are looking forward to football a little bit more now. And, and of course, we're going to project basketball going forward, but we're not going to get too crazy into it. Um, but first off, Justin, welcome to the crazies. It's good to have you. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Appreciate the invite. Happy to be here. Uh, it's good to talk about MSU hoops a little bit and kind of rationalize everything and then look forward to the off season and then football at the end. Sweet. All right. Well, I'm actually, I'm, I mean, you guys are degenerates like me. Um, (laughs) I'm like the second we lost, you know, you kind of go through the, the stages of grief, but then it was like. Oh man, what's the roster next season? You know, it's like your 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 gears are kind of moving like right. that. Um, so that was one thing that I was thinking about right away. We'll talk about that, of course, because that's what people are talking about literally on Twitter right now. Um, but first, let's talk the tournament. Funny enough, this tournament, you know, I don't feel good saying this. It went literally exactly as I predicted. I mean, I knew Davidson was going to be down to the last second, and even though there was, you know, just some funny business with fouls there at the end i mean it was a close game you know front to back um and msu gets the dub i think that they should have gotten the win there i think that they're a better team i think that whatever you want to say about the game msu deserved a win in my opinion um and you know davidson you could tell they could play they shot over 40 percent from three their big dude was kind of getting what he wants uh in the end, Michigan State is a, a bigger team, a um, probably a little more athletic team, and they uh, they got the dub. Do you guys want to talk much about Davidson? I don't really feel like there's a whole lot to talk, but go ahead. Um, go ahead, go Justin. Ahead, okay, yeah, uh, so, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, this game kind of went how I expected it would. They. Joey, besides the Joey Hauser just exploding, I mean, I didn't see that coming. But I, I figured Davidson would get theirs. I mean, they they they, they were gonna hit some shots, but I, I, the Hauser thing, man, I I I did not see him going off for twenty seven. I knew it was a good matchup for him because Davidson just isn't super athletic. But I thought that was nuts. I, uh, but th- this team, I mean. Down the stretch, MSU shot the ball pretty well. Like, 
at towards the end of the year. And, and it kind of evened out after they were just like completely cold for a few weeks. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think Davidson one is pretty much everybody expected. I didn't really have any crazy takeaway from that game. Yeah. I just kind of thought that the staff did a good job um, the days leading up to that game and kind of breaking down some of those uh, intricate sets that Davidson likes to run on offense and, I actually thought that Davidson would have more open looks from three than they did have. Um, I know there were a couple breakdowns. I think two of them were um, Hauser's fault during the first half, but you can't be mad because of what he did on offense. Um, and then I believe there was one breakdown in the second half. So if you're looking at just a handful of breakdowns from three against a team that runs um, just such a great offense like Davidson does, I think you take that as a, as a big win. Um, Michigan State was willing to let Davidson's big man uh, feast a little bit down there, but they were not going to let Davidson get hot from three. Um, and they actually did a better job in that regard than I thought they would. So just got to give the staff credit there um, from a scouting angle. I couldn't believe that. Uh, I couldn't believe the amount of Davidson fans are at that game. Like, I know it's close, but like, they don't have like a massive, huge right. following. Like, I, so it was like, I mean, you had Duke fans there too, so it was basically like a road game. It was nuts. I yeah. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe the difference in crowd there. Yeah, um, I think that was one thing I also noted, Ryan, and you saw tweets about the the Duke fans did in fact stay to cheer for Davidson, as Ryan kind of pointed out last week. But um, I totally agree with Justin. I mean, it would be unfair to to talk about this game without mentioning Hauser, but also. I mean, we, we we pointed this out in our preview. The Foster lawyer thing was going to be a double-edged sword. They neutralized him. I don't know if people knew this. He was their leading scorer. I mean, second team all-conference in their conference. Um, Foster lawyer, by and large, you know, just didn't have a, a great game for his standards standards on their team. And that's definitely something that the team worked on. It's definitely something they attacked. I think that... Foster even got like a, away with some stuff. Like they were kind of giving him some soft calls and that missed travel. I, I mean, it is one of the worst missed calls in like the history of basketball. Yeah. I mean, it, the dude slid like free Willie, like halfway across the floor. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable I will, that I they will give s- that a timeout. Unbelievable. The, the officiating. And I can't believe I'm saying this after a Bo Borowski game yesterday. The officiating Friday was so much worse than it was on Sunday. Yeah, like it, it really was. I mean, it was bad. Missed a lot of calls both ways in that game, and that Foster lawyer travel, like you said, I was like, how do you not call a travel? Like it was just unbelievable, crazy. I mean, he he signaled for a timeout like at the end of the slide too. Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, um, <laughs> that's just something we had to mention. Um, the you know they knew what their job was. They knew that Davidson was going to hit threes. They knew that the guy, um, Reykjavich, or however you say his name, that he was going to get some because of the way that they were playing him um, just straight up one guy. Hauser even held his own defensively against this guy, and I think that goes to uh, credit him. Not only did he basically shoot and keep MSU in that game with – I mean, what did he miss, like two shots or something the whole game? Um he started Defensive. out like six for six or something yeah. crazy. Eight, eight for eight, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, just like truly going off, keeping them in it. Um, and then he was playing some defense too. And you saw that he was, you know, had some size advantages out there, which I don't think is the most common thing for Joey. 
So, you know, when he had advantages, he struck. And um, Joey Hauser, no doubt about it, they needed him to win this game. And that's an NCAA tournament win. I mean, that's not just some some game during the season. That's a big deal to me. And I yeah. think that that's something he can hang his hat on, in my opinion. Yeah. I think when, when you look at these guys' legacies here, um, this, uh, this graduating class, uh, you're going to look at Indianapolis and you're going to look at this first weekend in the tournament and you're going to see that Joey Hauser, he's responsible for that Davidson win. Gabe Brown did all he could to help Michigan State in that Duke game. And I think those those like bullet points and then Marcus Bingham just playing well this whole final month. I think those are things you're going to look at and that's how these guys should be remembered. I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I said before the Duke game, like, if they won the game, we at least put the script on the narrative they had for their career. Mm-hmm. But I think they did enough in, like, the last right. month that they're looked at as in a positive light compared to, like, what we thought, like, right after that Michigan-Ohio State game where, where it was just a straight-up disaster. But I think that they at least, you know, kind of salvaged their legacy, per se, I guess, in this last month. Yeah, Maybe. it's it's tough to uh... – Legacy talk is tough. Right. You have to. Sure. You have to. Maybe, maybe, I would say I, maybe that's too harsh of a word, but uh, I do think that they did. They at least made it respectable at the end. Right. Because right. the narrative, because the narrative, kind of was throughout February that they that the senior classes uh, weak showings. I guess the month or so around that time was the main downfall for why Michigan State was dropping games left and right, and I, I don't disagree with that. So they needed to do something in March to undo that. I don't know if it makes up for kind of them fading in February and being the reason that Michigan State fell to a seven seed. I don't know if it undoes that, and maybe Michigan State isn't playing Duke if those guys showed up in February. But after that kind of chapter had closed and, and March started, they did all they could from that point on, and I think if you kind of look at it that way, there it wasn't like a total disaster. But yeah, I still don't think it's. I still don't think it's one of the better recruiting classes that Izzo had. I think we can all admit. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. That's that's giving them some generous light there. But it, it, when you look at it, how they finished, it, they didn't lose games because of their seniors when they finished this season. The right. seniors, not in March, they put in it's, performances yeah. that was good enough for them better even for in some respects and so they did their job that's what you ask for uh, from a senior is what you want from spartans so no one's gonna remember them you know finishing week i guess uh right. when you you know five years from now people are gonna it, probably have a a different conversation than one we're having at this exact moment but you know i think they did well it could have been a lot worse it could have been a lot worse like they, they could have flamed out after that Maryland game in the Big Ten tournament, they could have flamed out first round of the NCAA tournament as like an 11 seed. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, honestly. <laughs> I guess. I, but, but I mean, we we know this program has expect, expectations, and let's be real, as a class overall, they didn't meet them. I mean, the, the, this class had two guys that transferred, one guy that was really good and went pro last year, and then Bingham and Brown had their moments. Like this class had was overall just not a complete success, unfortunately. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Not every class is going to hit. So Yeah, I, I think the best way to kind of sum it up is this class, no matter how they played in this last month or how they played before that, 
at the end of the day, it wasn't a very good class. But they left in a way where you kind of respect them as people and as players with the way they went down swinging. And I don't know if you could have said that if the season ended in February. No, yeah, I, these are all great points. And I just would like to offer that maybe Gabe and Marcus wouldn't have been, you know, so much as involved as now. But um, their class had a chance to go, you know, to a back-to-back Final Four. And that that right. was taken away from that them. Is a good, that is a good point. Aaron Henry was – 100% a part of that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's one That's one guy out of five. There would be more transfers and successes in that respect. But, um, you know, that – who knows? Well, we could talk about the possibilities. Who knows what these guys could have walked away having achieved? I'm just saying. Um, yep. Again, it wouldn't have really been due to a Marcus Bingham or a Gabe Brown in their sophomore year or – yeah, right. sophomore year, but – um, still, that it's really Gabe Brown, a, Gabe Brown was playing a big enough role that year. I mean, it wasn't huge, but he was like, yeah, he was he was putting points on the board, right? Um, so yeah. anyway, uh, obviously, Davidson was one you had to have. It was a giant sigh of relief that they won that game, um, to me <laughs> because it's Michigan State basketball, you're supposed to beat a a lower-seeded mid-major. You're just supposed to. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and they did. They got the job done there, survive in advance. Now, you, uh, we saw this coming a mile away. The matchup, Duke will, um, on Sunday, I'll just note, the last three tournaments of Coach K's career, Michigan State, um, and the, the ones he made, I should say, Michigan State was in his region. That's... Real, real unlikely in my opinion. The the odds mm, one out of four. Not a coincidence. <laughs> it's like it's a one a and a half percent odds that that would happen. So interesting. Um, MSU was the last team uh, before Sunday to eliminate Duke from the tournament. Uh, of course, we all remember what game that was. Um, going into the game, obviously, we all know Duke more talented, bigger. Just more explosive. Um, and and then you go and you see the game, and it pretty much bears out that exact way on the court. Um, however, I thought that MSU, before the game on Sunday, they had the horses to stay in this game. And if they were able to, you know, get stops in consecutive um, moments or keep them down off the boards – I thought they had a chance. And honestly, MSU had a chance to win this game. MSU could have won this game. But um, in the end, Duke goes on, what was it, like a 23-5 to five run? Or, I don't know the exact number. 15-4 or something like that. I think that's what it was. Okay, well, I was way off. Anyway, um, a lot of people are going to talk about the five minutes – or sorry – five points up with three-ish minutes left and um, how it ended from there. What's your guys' take on that? I mean, did the team get tired? Did um, just relegate to the mean? Or, sorry, regress to the mean? Right. I think it was just Duke uh, players knew that it was time for them to either fall out or go home. And they had guys that are going to be scoring in the NBA. And they decided to go ahead and play up to their ability. 
um, just making tough hook shots at the hoop, falling, fading away layups, uh, just taking guys off the bounce one-on-one to the hoop. And at the end of the day, that's those guys were just better than our guys. And I get people are mad that Michigan State was up five and then they lost. But to me, it was just, okay, Michigan State was good enough to compete for most of the game. But at the end, the team that has the better one-on-one NBA-level scorers just did what they were supposed to do. So I don't really look at it in in the scope of five-point lead disappearing. It was more of just, at the end of the day, the better players decided to put the ball in the basket, and there wasn't much Michigan State can do about it. Yeah, I, I'm – I had I had a reactionary take after the game, so it took me like you know a little bit to kind of come down from that. But at the time, I was really upset that we blew that five point lead. But when you look at it, like Justin said, Duke has the better players. They hit some shots that were just like there's nothing you can do. The defense on them was so good, and they just hit the shots. I, uh, but, I mean, we were up five. I felt like we should have one. But at the same time, Duke has the better players. And they just hit shots when it mattered. And that Christie turnover was pretty much the dagger. I mean, you know. But and we'll, we'll get into him for next year, I'm sure, today. But uh, there's some guys on this team that just have to be better down the stretch in games. Um, but, yeah, I, I – I, I felt like it was a mixture of us kind of just giving it away and then Duke, you know, you know, these are all takes that you could definitely say that there's no like right or wrong answer. Uh, Whether Michigan state should in quotes have won the game when they were winning by five, you know, that's, that's literally just a subjective um, argument. Like we could do that all day, but uh, obviously, there's more NBA potential on that roster. Obviously, when it comes to, you know, just, hey, put the ball in this dude's hands. He's hot. He can take it on anybody on their team. Um, and the finishes, man. I mean, this game, you, you look at the two-point field goal percentage, Michigan State, 37%. Duke, 63%. I mean, we're nearly double. Um they were finishing everything around the basket. I mean, the craziest stuff, the, the fade away to beat the shot clock. The Mark I mean, Williams fade. I, it's like, he never had said, I couldn't believe I mean, he did that shot. The, the big scoops over Marcus Bingham, like all of those going in. And on the other end, Michigan state missing bunnies. And I think as any Spartan fan knows watching that game, Michigan state's missing some of the easy ones. You're thinking, you just can't in this game. Like this, this is the game where you can't miss those. And uh, it all just kind of added up. And of course, Michigan state, they're going to get less free throws than Duke Duke over the years. They use their athletes to drive it in. Coach K knows that's going to work against Izzo. Um, They're getting the calls. Obviously. I mean, there was a play where Duke got like three touch fouls and just like, Rapid, I don't know what was happening, but it's hard to watch that and not just roll your eyes. I don't know if you guys recall <laughs> the play, the three foul possession. I, I mean, and it was like they yeah. were just like, okay, we got to call a foul real quick. Real, three, I mean, like the play was just unfolding. 
that literally put them in the bonus too. Those two I fouls. know. <laughs> it was like, hey, let's get into the bonus real quick. And so obviously you're just rolling your eyes, but um, MSU they shot nearly perfect from free throw uh, from the free throw line, fifty percent from three. Um, in the end, it's just a couple of fifty fifties, a couple of uh, finishes around the basket. You could have maybe won that, but um, the more talented team ended up taking it away. I think you can be proud of the effort that MSU gave. You can be disappointed at the same time that they weren't able to win. You can point toward the regular season and say if they had done better, they don't play Duke in the second game. There's a lot of ifs. Um, but the one thing that really, really, really bears out, and I come back to it repeatedly on this team, this is the worst defensive efficiency team of Izzo's Ken Palm um, era. I mean, even worse than last season. They, had um, that, they just had that terrible stretch, which absolutely killed killed, I think, their defensive numbers in February. That's part of it. They give up 85 to Duke. They give up over 70 to Davidson. Um, a one, There's a glaring issue. This team has not had a front court presence for the last two years. And lo and behold, it's the two worst defensive teams Izzo's ever ran out on, you know, onto the court. So, I think you've got to sit and point and look at the guys who are playing in the front court and think maybe they need something new. Maybe they need somebody that can get stops because a couple of stops in that Duke game, they're dancing. They're ending Coach K's career. I mean, the perimeter did their job. Uh, They could have made some baskets, but I mean, there was how many baskets in a row where Duke just drove and got the finish felt like six I mean, they were just at will. It was luck if they missed, it felt like. So, um, I think this is a perfect segue. Uh, A lot of people are looking to the roster next year now that the season's over. You're thinking, Gabe Brown looks like he's gone based on the Twitter statements. Marcus Bingham, that's looked pretty bleak from the jump. We've all, I mean, on this podcast, we've just basically assumed he's gone. Um Mati Sissoko, is he going to be ready to just anchor a team that wants to hang banners? I don't think so. I don't think anybody thinks so. Um, And then Julius Marble, as good as he can be at times offensively, I think that's matchup dependent. Defensively, I just – you've never seen him been locked down, ever. He really really struggled yesterday. He really did. And I, I, a, part of it's matchups, but, like, he was getting abused on the defensive end. And that's been something pretty consistent in his career. So, um, Justin, you don't have to, you know, go too deep into this, but you tweeted today that MSU is active in the portal for a big. Yes. So, Michigan State, I'm hearing they're, they're, they know they have to get somebody uh, from the portal that, can fill Marcus Bingham's uh, role in the starting lineup. They they know that Julius Marble, kind of like you guys said, it's a matchup dependent uh, sort of deal there. He's not a guy that you can roll out there for 25, 30 minutes and, and then be happy with Madi playing the rest of the minutes. And that's not a 40-minute stretch that you're going to like for the most part. So 
Yes, they, they know they need to get a center. And from what I've been told, that's they're, they're actively looking. And uh, center won't be the only position where they will be looking. Um, I cannot guarantee that they will land a small forward or a power forward, but they will be looking for sure. Um, but center is definitely the, the top priority there. I don't think, yeah, they, they need to go again. Because you can't roll in the next year with marble. I like Jackson Kohler. I think he's going to be a really good player. But I don't think he's ready defensively to handle big minutes in the Big Ten next year. It's going to be a huge adjustment. He's going to be a really good offensive player. But defensively, I'm not sure, you know, how he's going to fit in. Um, Right. Like with Kohler, the Kohler, the way I would kind of summarize him is you – this is an oversimplification just to make it um, kind of simpler. But – you can probably give him the ball in three straight possessions in the low post and he'll score on at least two of them, uh, maybe three of them. And then on defense, um, three defensive possessions, we'll have to guard somebody. He's probably giving up points on two or three of them. So he's not going to be a net positive his freshman year, but yeah, I think he's going to score a lot of points for Michigan state and uh, defensively though, he might be a year away. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I, 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 Obviously, there, there's going to be some time here where we're going to see more guys enter the portal. Um, but, Tim, do you want to talk about the kid from Utah Valley? Just bring him up because I know we were talking about him earlier. Yeah, I mean, okay, to be clear, this guy's name is, um, I think it's Fardaz Amac. Um, I think it goes by Dawes, which is kind of cool, I think, just in general. <laughs> um, uh, this guy's basically the number one big in the transfer portal. Um, and if you look at who has already reached out to him, I mean, as a, a fan of any of those teams, you're like, damn. Because it's pretty much every team in the country wants this guy. You're really going to be competing against, I mean, the likes of Kentucky um, and 30 other Power 6 programs. So uh, it's it's not something that I would um, – really sink a ton of hope into however this guy um he's back-to-back defensive player of the year in his conference which is the whack or am i getting there i think it's yeah they're in the whack you're right the whack okay um so you know take this with all a grain of salt but um back-to-back defensive players of the uh player of the year he was the player of the year in the conference a year ago so he didn't win it this year Uh, i did not look up who did but um this guy's averaging like 18 and 13 just this big body um 611 pretty much the bruiser that would perfectly solve all of michigan state's problems he's defensive oriented that's clearly a fit um big body ready to go right now and i think if you are a michigan state and you reach out to this guy um you're one of the, the top suitors, in my opinion. You are an elite program. You can promise he's going to be on national television. You can promise he's going to be just immediate day one starter. Um, and you are a fit. Um, now, that's, you know, from looking from the outside in. But, you know, all things considered, I think um, this is a guy MSU's at least got to go and kick the tires um for and of course there's other bigs in the transfer portal um 
I'm sure that they're not just going to only reach out to one, but this is, this is like, this would be like picking up a five-star freshman, maybe even better. Um, just because you're getting someone that's going to be playing both ends of the court day one, possibly being one of the most productive guys on your team day one. Right. Um, and you can offer him PT. Like, he's, if he comes here, he's going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, probably, I would assume. Maybe there's an adjustment from the WAC to the Big Ten, obviously, but I I mean, he seems like he's good enough to play a lot of minutes. So, I mean, you can I, – I, obviously, so you know he's not going to promise playing time, but, I mean, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah, I, I think um, just a side note here, Tyson Walker, he was attracted to the Michigan State program for a similar sort of reason. You know, he knows they like defense. He – and then some of the other point guard related things, which doesn't really relate here. But I think that if you're Fardaz, AMAC, and you hear from Tom Izzo, you know one thing. Oh, that's the that's the intense sort of defensive guy. Um, so that can't hurt. Um, again, I would not get your hopes too high up. Um, this is a laundry list of teams going after this guy. But gosh, I mean... Money. Marcus Carl asked you suitors. Honestly, I yes, in terms of how many teams wanted him. Yeah. But in terms of, I mean, this would be a home run. This could be, I mean, a, the difference of banners. I mean, if I'm putting it simply. So, um, again, <laughs> I'm already getting my hopes up. I'm trying to shoulder that for you guys. Uh, this would be big. So, keep your – I uh, appealed for that guy. Um, we'll see. There, and, there's going to be there's going to be hundreds more players entering the portal too. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's they're going to have a wealth of options. I think of and guys for, they can choose from. And for all the same reasons I just listed, MSU is going to be a desirable um, destination. You know, uh, they can offer a lot, and. I, I can't speak for all the other teams. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that can say the similar thing, but not all of them are playing in the Champions Classic, are they? You know, uh, they're not on ESPN like five times a month. Not all of them. So, you know, it's just something to consider. I might be exaggerating that ESPN number, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's exciting if you're thinking about the team next year because we can segue into that. Honestly, you got to like the perimeter of what's returning. Those guys are going to be defensively holding their own. Um, other than Hogard, you've got some good shooters. Jaden Akins is just – I mean, if there's some guy you can circle and go, this is going to be the dude that explodes, like, to a to a different level. Um, that's the dude I'm, I'm keying in on. And a lot of people are thinking Hogard. I think we're just going to see Hogard grow consistently. That's my take. Jaden Akins is just somebody I – I feel is just ready to just take off. Um, and that's got to be exciting, especially if you're uh, a Gabe Brown, um, what's the word here? Um, disenthusiast? <laughs> I mean, let's say not a lot of people love the fact that he sits on the wing and he's not great at um, handling the ball. Jaden Akins has proven that he can shoot the ball pretty well. He ends the season at 38% from three. I'm going to say that that's surprising to me. Um, I will let you guys take the floor. Go ahead, Justin. What do you think about the perimeter guys 
coming back next season. And who are um, some people you're excited for? Yeah, I think uh, you're definitely right about Aikens there. He's a guy that um, is going to go from his freshman to his sophomore year, and a lot of people believe that's the biggest jump that a player makes. And uh, he's going to be a guy that he's going to lock down the other team's best perimeter player. He's a guy that brings all the intensity and energy you want. He's going to continue to shoot at a high clip, uh, which, like you said, kind of surprised me how high Artie was as a freshman. And, yeah, he, him and um, Aikens and – or, sorry, him and uh, Walker and Christian Hogard, I think all four of those guys are going to give Michigan State a very, very good uh, backcourt. I don't have any concerns with the backcourt. Aikens, he's a guy that wasn't able to drive as often this year because of his weight and uh, had to settle for a lot of jump shots on dead legs, so he became one-dimensional. But next offseason, he's going to go ahead and gain another 10, 12 pounds or so, I would guess, just like he did last offseason. He'll be able to get to the hoop. Uh, I don't have any concerns about him reaching his potential. Um, I know he wasn't as good as many people thought, but uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I have full confidence in, in him reaching uh, what was expected of him. I think um, if you kind of look at Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey, these guys took a big step between the freshman and sophomore years. I don't know if Christie's going to get to that level where he's a top seven pick next year, but I think that that's a blueprint that you can kind of look at and have hope, uh, hope in. Uh, yeah, so the backcourt and um, Christie, I guess, if you want to call him a small forward, whatever, the, the perimeter positions next year should be set. I kind of like the rotation that I tweeted out where I have um, Hogarth as the starting one, Walker as the starting two, Christie as the starting three, with Aikens getting tons of minutes at the one and two. Um, actually, no, most of the two because Hogarth can, uh, Hogard can play the one, and I guess Walker can spell Hogarth there as well. So, yeah, it's uh, – or, sorry, Holloman, I meant. So, yeah, the, just the backcourt, uh, I think it's in good shape. Uh, the question marks are mostly towards the uh, towards the front court. Yeah, I I really like the, uh, the backcourt next year. Um, Akins, the thing with him is he's not afraid of anything. Uh, right. You can say what you want about, like, a Tyson Walker being afraid to take shots later in the game. Um Aikens is not going to be afraid to do that. So he's going, I think he's going to take a massive jump next year. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Justin. I know I've, I've been kind of looking at Keegan Murray, uh, Johnny Davis, uh, those guys uh, as kind of a blueprint for Max Christie next year. I think he's going to, he's going to be used to the big 10 grind. I think that it wore down on him this year, obviously. Um, like his shooting numbers just massively declined uh, once he got to February. So, I, I think he's going to have a big year next year. And uh, Tyson Walker, if he can just, you know, shoot more, have more confidence, he can be an all-Big Ten type player, really. I mean, he obviously at Northeastern it's different, but, I mean, he was able to score there. He was Defensive Player of the Year there. He's got potential to be, like, an all-Big Ten guy. Uh, we'll see how that works with minutes, obviously, because there's, there are a lot of guys that in, in the backcourt that can play. So, and then Hogard, self-explanatory. I mean, the guy is just like Aikens has no fear of the moment. If he can somewhat develop a, a jump shot, that's a big, if I think he can take a, a decent step again next year, I thought that he obviously really improved this year. Uh, and that was without much of a jump shot. So if he can do that, hit the gym this off season, which I'm sure he will. Um, I think he has a chance to take another step next year. 
Okay, so we're all in agreement. I think it's pretty obvious that there's something to like on the perimeter there in the backcourt for Michigan State. It's going to be defensive. It's going to be athletic. Um, they're going to be able to shoot. You know, Hogard. Uh, actually, let's see right now because we talked about this. He did technically. <laughs> he did technically improve his three-point shooting. It's just it's only at twenty-two <laughs> percent. So, uh, hey, if we can hey, hope that, that uh, yeah, let's extrapolate that <laughs> to another. We're talking maybe up to thirty. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, hey um, man, if, if you can get him up to thirty, you can't completely play Tum Tum near defense on him. So I mean, yeah, you know, that's. So that that was that that's just the way it was later in the year, man. They they just completely sagged off him because they knew he wasn't going to hit a three. I think that you can see that Hogard has that drive, and I yeah. think that it doesn't take a you know a genius to point out like, hey, man, you want to do this for a professional um, career, like you need to get into the lab and figure this out. Um, so I actually would think it's crazy to bet against this guy. I do at too. least getting a a serviceable jumper. Um, so, but that's not me saying, I think that is, it's pretty, I just think that it's, it's functional and, um, he needs like some sort of shot doctor or something. I don't know, you know, who Michigan state goes to Justin might, but somebody (laughs) needs to, um, you know, over the summer, just this dude should just be sleeping with his elbow in you know, jump shooting form. Um, Anyway, let's talk front court. You know, we talked about it. We touched on it. Obviously, they need somebody. Um, Ryan has even alluded to the possibility that there will be some departures other than Marcus Bingham. I don't know if Ryan cares to uh, comment, but, um, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. That's just speculation. Obviously, I don't really have – I don't have any inside info on this, Um, but – I wouldn't be surprised if Sissoko hits the portal. Um, we'll see what happens. But I, I just thought that he didn't take a big enough jump this year um, compared to what we were hoping for, obviously. I mean, he barely played. Um, obviously, he played more minutes than last year. That's kind of a low bar. But he, if, if he's not able to play now with these guys, I, no disrespect to the guys on the team, but this, this isn't the greatest – front court group in the entire world uh, and he wasn't able to get on the floor. I mean, we'll see what happens, but that's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up looking around and hits yeah. the portal. Yeah, I, I would just say that um, a lot of fans, I see them say, um, especially in the replies of my article today where Michigan State was going to be pursuing um, portal guys, some people respond to this thing, but what about Madi? Uh, what if he leaves? What if he leaves? I would just say, I I mean, I haven't heard anything about him looking to leave. I would just say in a general sense, whether it's football or basketball, you never want to prevent your roster from getting better just because of your sentimentality towards some of the guys on the roster. I'm not saying anybody should be processed out or anything like that. I'm just simply saying that you cannot worry about how somebody might feel if a better player comes and starts in front of them. And if that player feels inclined to leave, then that is their right. And I don't think that as a fan, you should be saying, oh, I don't want a center to come in uh, because of anybody that's currently on the roster. And I would just leave it in that general sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, 
Like, obviously, he was a top four-year recruit, but I I don't know, man. I just haven't seen the development. I understand he's only played basketball for what? This is like his fifth year playing organized basketball or something like that, but I just didn't see the jump this year. And we'll, we'll see what happens. That's just what I think might happen. I, I don't know anything, like I said, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the roster next year. Um, I, I think this is an important thing for us to, like, talk about not that we know anything but it's a an important um position next year this is a guy that was a top 50 recruit or am i misremembering that he was top 40 yeah so there was a reason that everyone was excited you know he's got these dimensions um but the one thing that's just so obvious when he plays is like it's like this guy doesn't he doesn't really understand basketball and that is me being unfair to him of course he knows the game but we're talking at a essentially just under professional level of basketball you can be big and not understand the game at a just under professional level that's something that i think is fair to um point out and yeah he hasn't had as many years there are kids who have been in similar positions where they came in and they you know, fourth year, they're they're getting D1 offers, and, you know, they're still a little rough around the edges. I think uh, Udoka Azubuki for Kansas is a perfect example. He had not really played, but, you know, he turned out to be basically an All-American, and that's kind of the hope you have for the mold of what Mahdi is. But um, it's not like he can't, you know, defend somebody. It's that he's just, like, totally getting lost. I mean – will be literally like turning around, looking over his shoulder, like, wait, where did the guy go? Um, or just, you know, doesn't understand the set because he doesn't understand basketball at that level yet. And, you know, maybe he had six more years, you know, if that was a thing, sure. You know, cause there's something there in terms of his dimensions and you've seen, you know, when he brought that spirit against Purdue, what it could look like, but um, there's just too many ifs there for me. And, one other thing that I think is really important here that I was kind of thinking about today is Madi has, you know, the Michigan State basketball team, that's like his family in America. You know, he doesn't have really anyone. He came um, over from Mali, I believe, and and he's really been embraced by Michigan State. Not to say that he couldn't go to another team and feel that way, but this would be, uh, for him to depart from the team, I feel like it would be a little harder than an average kid from America who, you know, is going to transfer to this school from that. Um, I think this one would hurt me in a, a little deeper way in that regard, but I do agree with Justin. Um, you know, if you just can't play at this level, then, you know, maybe you just can't. And um, maybe Izzo can set something up for him. So he's well, you know, taken care of. And, you know, there are definitely teams in America that would take Madi Sissoko. It's just, I don't know if he can be the player that MSU hoped him to be. And I i mean that honestly, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not looking it, great. It, yeah, it, I, I, that's a good point on MSU basketball really being some of the only family he has in the States. I, I didn't think about that aspect, but um, yeah, he's uh, – DK, uh, our, our buddy, said uh, – Cliff Amorier is everything he wishes Madi Soko was. And I thought that was a really good point. Um, obviously, Amorier, I'm sure, has more basketball experience. But 
that's the guy you really wish Roddy developed into at this point. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, he's got an off season if he wants to come back. So, um, but I, I would not be super surprised if he's some of the attrition this off season. So, figured we get that out of the way before we move on. Okay, let's talk. Um, well, there's we, we haven't even talked about Pierre Brooks. I don't know if that's really fair, but uh, he's not a part of the front court. So, you know, Pierre Brooks, I think there's a guy to – he's just the guy to keep your eye on. because Yeah, he's he's a guy I think that can take a step next year uh, too. Um, he didn't play the greatest competition in high school, and I think that obviously this was a huge step up for him. I think he's going to be a really good player. Maybe not next year, but the year after. I think he can take a huge step. So that's a guy to keep an eye out on. Yeah, you really see what could be there. A diamond in the rough for, for now. But, um, yeah, Julius Marble, I mean, it's really – those are the centers on the team. And if we talked about Jackson Kohler, um, I don't know if – you know, people are speculating if he's going to be on the team. I don't know anything about all that, but – um, I do think Marble could be a backup center that comes in and there are matchups that he could be good. Um, but I think it would just best be served like 10 minutes, you know, a game or 50, you know, up to 15 if there's foul trouble. Yes. Um, I, I agree with him. Um, he's, he's a guy, I mean, there's some power five programs where they play him all game and he'd, he would he could easily average 15 points a game if he got the minutes. Um, but the problem is just the defensive end. We've talked about it. He's not, he's not a great defensive player um, to say the least. So, uh, which is why you need to go get a guy in the portal and I'm sure they will, but I, I, I don't know if he's hit a ceiling per se, but I don't know if he can take, I don't think he's going to take a huge jump forward. I guess like, he, yeah. he kind of is what he is at this point. To that's me. a, that's a great point. Like he's not really going to be much different than anything we've seen. Um, you can't play him on the, on the, the court at the same time as Joey Hauser. I mean, sure you do and you can, but <laughs> it doesn't go well no. because those guys, I mean, getting owned on the glass, defending no one, um, in terms of stops, like the stops are pure luck. Uh, that's not Michigan State basketball. It should be like default. Michigan State is going to eat on the boards, and it's going to be hard for you to finish around the basket. And hard is the key word there. It just make it hard. Like if you make it harder, they're going to miss some of them. Instead, last two seasons – Teams, you know, every big man they face is having a career night. It's can't Joey Bronk. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's sickening. <laughs> and Joey yeah. Bronk, you know what it was? It just weighs more, and they just didn't have the meat on the low block to make anything hard for people. And um, if they don't get somebody in there, I mean, God, I would take like a freshman Derek Nix. Because at least he could hold somebody off um, for five minutes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they, they need somebody. They're probably going to get somebody in. Whether it's the guy you want, um, somebody that's even um, high level, I don't know. I don't 
But if they took I, I nobody, I don't need a high level big. I mean, somebody like John Harris this year would have been fine. I'm not asking for some all Big Ten type player. I just need somebody that can come in and defend. You know, I'm not. I mean, you're not asking for a ton. Yeah. If they get a if they get a big if they get a huge addition, great. That's awesome. But uh, it's not really needed, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting dynamic, and um, a lot of it depends on how uh, you know the team, how many people leave, stay, all that. So it's kind of fluid right now. But um, do you guys want to talk some football? Yes, sir. All right. Let's get into um, it. Go ahead, Ryan. Take it away. All right. So, uh, obviously, spring practice started um, last week, and uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, visits, I think, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they just opened up again. Um, they had a dead period for, I think, a month. And yeah. uh, so, they I, they had some guys, I think, on campus this past week. Uh, correct. They did, yeah, yeah. They had uh, visitors this past weekend, and then also visitors this upcoming weekend. Um, basically, the most of the guys this past weekend were uh, offensive linemen. Um, I don't know if people saw, but those three guys kind of took a picture together with Coach Cap, and that was pretty much the main uh, group of targets this weekend. And then, along with uh, Pennsylvania linebacker Phil Picciotti. He's uh, another four-star, uh, as well as uh, Madden Sanker, who is one of the offensive linemen. And then top 500 three-stars, Trevor Lauk and Joe Crocker. Those are the other two offensive linemen. So um, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of big-name visitors here this month. And then this upcoming weekend, it's uh, mostly defensive line-oriented uh, with Andrew DePape, Justin Benton. Uh, those two are four-stars. And then three-stars, Zachariah Keith. Uh, current commits, uh, current commit Jonathan Slack is there. And then the crown jewel, I guess, for this week's uh, visitor slate is top 100 four-star offensive lineman Chase Basantis. He's actually here from the 25th to the 27th. Um, and again, since it's an unofficial visit, it's all on his own dime. So that should kind of show you what kind of interest level some of these kids have. I saw uh, CJ Carr. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not getting my hopes up here for obvious reasons. Lloyd Carr's grandson, but uh, do you, what did you hear from his visit that was that kind of stuck out? Stuck, ah, yeah. stuck out to you? Basically, that Michigan State is working harder than everybody else, and he realizes that. Um, that isn't always enough to land a commitment, as kids have often gone to a school that's working. Um, a slightly less hard than, than some other schools just because they might have a greater appeal to that other school um, or they've grown up fans of that school. So that's kind of what causes me to pump the brakes here. Um, but yeah, if he does go to Michigan because his uh, grandfather is Lloyd Carr, it certainly won't be due to Michigan State not trying um, or thinking that, oh, this kid's going to Michigan, so let's not work hard here. Uh, none of that. They're they're definitely working harder than everybody else that's in that recruitment right now. Yeah, it's I, I whenever I read quotes from recruits, it just seems like the, they mentioned that AMSU's work out almost outworking everybody. I mean, that's what I've taken from the staff's recruiting yeah. mantra, yeah. which is great. It's a, it's a nice change from the old staff. Um, yeah. Have you heard anything from spring practice yet? I know it just kicked off, so maybe not. But uh, have you heard anything like player wise? 
Yeah, no, not, nothing from spring practice specifically, but just guys coming in um, have raised some eyebrows. Uh, Kate and Hauser, obviously, the true freshman quarterback, but a lot of the transfers as well. Um, Amir Speed uh, just meets the eye test, along with both of the linebacker transfers of Winman and Brule. Um, so they've only gotten a couple practices in so far, so nothing on the field yet, but just a lot of guys uh, that are transfers passing the eye test. And then uh, a lot of freshmen, uh, Kate Hauser, Alex Van Sumeren, uh, some of these guys that are really killing it in the strength and conditioning component that just ended here um, as, as they finally got a chance to get in the college weight room. So, yeah, just, just those kind of observations that are promising um, and kind of have you looking forward to spring camp here, the spring game and fall camp, um, and kind of just seeing what kind of buzz those guys generate. Yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited about Hauser. Obviously, I'm sure most of the fan base is. I, I've heard that he's the most, like, coming in talent wise, the most talented guy they've had since either Jeff Smoker or Drew Stanton, which is super high praise. So, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, okay, so I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you had to guess, which guy do you think could commit next in the twenty three uh, class? Uh, who would you pick? I guess that's kind of a broad question because you pick, can pick it. Yeah, I would, I would pick Cole Dellinger from uh, Clarkson, Michigan. He's a four-star interior offensive lineman. He's a guy that um, he's been a Michigan State lean for a while. Uh, but the thing is that he was also entertaining LSU, and he just took a visit down there, and his brother plays for LSU. So nobody kind of knew how that LSU interest would go with him. But – uh, Alan True finally put in a crystal ball and we followed him this past week. So I can see him committing either maybe uh, after this next window of visits here in the spring or maybe after uh, his June official visits. So it's it, it, there's no guarantee on when the next commitment will come because of the fact that official visits are so near in the future. So kids might just refuse to commit in these next couple months and they can get their official visits in, which would make sense to me. Um, But he's a guy that I guess I'm most comfortable predicting being that next guy. Yeah, I I had one more question. Uh, Jalen Thompson seems like he's kind of dragging the process out, which obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But do you think he's going to wind up at MSU or the longer this drags out, do you think it kind of bodes negative for him winding up at MSU? Yeah, I think he's a guy that's not like a, a surefire elite blue chip guy, like an Enau Etta type. So he's not like an auto take for the entire window. Right now, he's obviously a take and they want him. But maybe if he kind of pushes it off another three or four months, and there's a guy like Zachariah Key who starts to think about committing. I don't know how much Jalen Thompson clears a guy like um, – a guy like Zachariah Keith, where they tell Zachariah not to commit. Uh, so that that's just kind of – it gets tricky as, as the window goes on. But I think if he commits here in the next maybe two or three months, that um, Michigan State will take him. But it's also not an open and shut case as Michigan is making it challenging. And I guess that's kind of part of the reason why he's dragging it out is it's, it's not just Michigan State running away with the recruitment. Um, but, yeah, he'd probably be wise to decide here in the next, I'd say, by the summer at, at the latest. Yeah, I, I figured that was the case. I, I, I do. Uh, 
but I, I, I do want him to actually get the ball moving because uh, there's a, it seems like they're just in and out a ton, ton of defensive linemen. So. Right. Like if Ron Burton was still here and they didn't have all these guys in the South that they had shots with, he would be a take all the way through signing day. And it's not a knock on him that, that he probably needs to hurry up. It's just they're in with a lot of guys that uh, – like Zachariah Keith, uh, I, I know 24-7 we have him as like a mid-three-star, but – um, another site on three, they have him as a top 200 player. I believe at one point he was even 109th. Uh, so, like, these are also guys that, um, even though they're not in-state guys of interest uh, to, like, a lot of fans, these are guys that are up there and equal to a guy like Jalen Thompson. So that's really the only thing there. It's, it's not a knock on Thompson. This is Michigan State, since hiring Drew Jordan and Marco Coleman, have just – been in a different category of, of guys that are reciprocating interest to them. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe the, the uh, interest that poured in once they hired Jordan. I mean, I knew it would be a big hire, but it's like constant. seems like top 300 kids just trying to come and visit, which is awesome. Uh, speaking of Jordan, uh, did you hear anything about? I know he had he's been having NFL guys on campus. Have you heard anything like positive reaction from that? So far, I think it's just been like two or three guys, um, mostly Michigan State guys. Uh, but I think this upcoming weekend, the final day of his nose tackle retreat, coincides with the uh, first day of a lot of these kids that are visiting on campus. So I think maybe after this weekend, we'll start to see what kind of impact that has on recruiting and, and how it plays into things. Okay, yeah, I, I, uh, like I said, it's just awesome to see yeah. so much interest with all these defensive linemen. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm just not used to this. I've followed MSU recruiting for a long time, and uh, never have I seen this many top prospects just flooding the campus, which is awesome. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Tim, did you want to add anything else? I think we we can wrap this up here pretty soon. No, um, I think that. This season was um, – I'll give it a uh, B minus, or is that being too good? I, that, that is what I was going to say, too. B minus would be my grade I give for this year. Um, if you consider, like, uh, like the expectations, I guess, because in general it's – it was pretty average. But, um, yeah, it's, it was a great and surprising football season. Um at times, a fun basketball t- season. At times, a very unfun basketball season. But in the end, I think that MSU fans have it better than most still, um, even during a season like this. So that just kind of goes to show you um, when they're up, which is coming. It's coming. It's just enjoy the ride. Uh, you have anything else to add, Justin, before we uh, wrap this up? No, not really. Just uh, thanks for having me on. It was uh, kind of fun hitting that wide range of material for both sports. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no for problem. Sure. Um, it's fun. You're welcome back whenever you want or whenever we convince you to. Um, and <laughs> um, friend of the pod, official now. All right, guys. It's going to be the last one um, of active sports games for a while, but. Uh, It's always go green. Go white. Dillon up ahead. Winston. No one near him. And he's going to come out with it. And Michigan State is headed to Minneapolis.